Screen Time with John Fardy. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talk's TV and movie show. This week on the show, heavyweight champion Tyson Fury and his wife Paris on their new Netflix show, At Home with the Furies. We review the new releases of the week, including Strays, where Jamie Foxx and Will Ferrell voice two lost dogs. Plus, Canada's own Alison Curtis chats to us about her favourite movie. I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Fardy, or you can email me, screentime at newstalk.com. This show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm here on Newstalk. Good weekend to you all. I hope you're doing well. I've just returned from a little break on the Aran Islands, which was absolutely wonderful, where I got to unplug. Uh, boring when people talk about the holidays, I know, but if you want to unplug and unwind, the Aran Islands is a great place to do it because you're kind of sea blind. There's sea everywhere, everywhere you look, because it's such a small place, you're getting sea in the face. Uh, literally sometimes <laughs> and metaphorically and it was just delightful so it's nice to be back we had a kind of music special last week in my absence of sorts and the week before that we had our blockbuster special where myself Chris Wasser and Sue Murphy were looking at some of the best kind of summer blockbusters of all time and a lot of people enjoyed that I got a, loads of emails about it but just wanted to mention one from Martin Coughlin who talked about the first time he saw Star Wars and Gay Byrne had played a clip of it on the Late Late Show, but being in the cinema and hearing these vibrations. And he says in his email, and slowly something very big began to appear, starting in the top right corner. Oh, Jesus, a Star Destroyer. And uh, I remember that moment as well when I first saw, or when you first see Star Wars now and the Star Destroyer comes on screen. And Martin said he never forgot it. So thank you for that, Martin. And thank you for all the people who got in touch. And thank you to all the new listeners that have revealed themselves in the latest round of listenership figures. I added 5,000 new listeners uh, this time round, which is just great, <laughs> certainly for me, uh, but it's lovely to hear. And so if you are one of those, whoever you are, from Bell Mullet to Bagnall's Town, I thank you. Uh, and do, you know, tell other people about the show if you can and, and if you're not listening on the radio listen on the podcast you can get it on all podcast players uh, available all the time and it's downloadable streamable and subscribe to it and, and tell your friends about it that would be great if you felt like you wanted to you know and do get in touch uh, there's a nice little community going of people who email me regularly and tweet me about movies they're watching tv shows they're watching uh, all, all of them are read many of them responded to so anyway, enough of the hard sell. Well, that wasn't much of a hard sell. It was, that was more of a, you know, thank you for listening, which I am very grateful for. Now, uh, before we get to the business at hand, just want to quickly mention, obviously, Michael Parkinson, you know, maybe the greatest TV interviewer or certainly one of them of all time. And the internet has been awash with some of his great moments over the many, many years he was doing it with everyone from, you know, the great ones like Muhammad Ali to... Billy Connolly. And uh, for me, it was just his ability to get out of the way. It's a hard thing to do when you're interviewing people, but to let people talk. And he made it seem like he was, you know, barely there at times and taking it 
so calmly and yet he was so on his game and so fully engaged uh, it, 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 it's a real skill to be able to do that and you realized over the years that people just wanted to talk to him it was almost like he was this daddy figure or you know you know genial grandfather who people just wanted to talk to there's a great one at the moment of george michael showing up uh not long after his incident in a bathroom and it's he's so happy to be there despite the circumstances because he's opposite michael parkinson and why wouldn't he have been so r.i.p michael parkinson now in tv this week i was watching this okay ruth go Oh, beg your pardon? Start talk. What do you need? What can I do for you? Uh, well, uh, hubby suggested I should husband, see Husband, husband. Don't say hubby. Are we on the record? Do I need to be formal? No, I just don't like the word hubby. For some people it's moist, for me it's hubby. Anyway, keep going. Um, my mother died recently. And... Yeah, okay. And I am sorry for your loss. Thank you. Yeah. In her will, she left half her estate to me and half to my brother, Dean. Mm -hmm. On one condition. Is that the will? Can yes. I see that, please? Yes. yes. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Now, as you can see... Shh, just let me read it. This says your brother only inherits his money if he has a vasectomy. Yes. No. You can't put conditions like that in a will. But he has five children to five different women. It has to stop. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more, but unfortunately you can't force a person. This is a legal a... binding document. Is it? We used a proper will kit from the post office. Yeah, and I'm trying to tell you, your mother can't make your brother have a vasectomy, and neither can you. And before you ask me, neither can the post office. Now, that is a clip from a show currently on Netflix, doing very well on Netflix, called Fisk. And you heard there the... Australian comedian Kitty Flanagan talking to a client. She plays a lawyer, Helen Tudor Fisk, who has had something of a personal crisis. So she leaves a high-flying Sydney law firm and she ends up back in Melbourne, where she's from, working in a place called Gruber and Gruber, the uninspiringly named Gruber and Gruber, where she is working on probates and wills. Pretty dull stuff. Yet she meets clients who are arguing about those wills a lot. And she's in this very small office with unusual people run by a brother and sister, one of whom has has been suspended as a lawyer for reasons which aren't entirely clear. Her father happens to be a very respected judge in the Australian Supreme Court, and she's struggling to get out from under his shadow. This is a very funny show, a kind of sleeper hit of sorts. It was in Australia. It didn't get too much further than those Antipodean shores. And then Netflix picked it up recently, and it's going gangbusters. I know in Ireland, it's currently in the top 10 and it's slightly old-fashioned in the sense that there's only a few locations in it the office her dad's house one or two other places a coffee shop and it's straight ahead comedy i suppose there's no fancy camera angles it's a sitcom now there is an overarching story over the two seasons although only one of them is currently available on netflix but it's a more traditional kind of laugh which i enjoyed a lot kitty flanagan is an australian comedian i hadn't been aware of but she's very funny and she is great in this she's playing a fish out of water she's not great with people at times uh, and that's where a lot of the humor lies in this so if you're looking for for a kind of 
traditional laugh, I, I think, of sorts, it's fair to say, Fisk is very good. Currently on Netflix, the first season is out there and they're short, they're funny. It's a nice story as well about a woman trying to find her way after a bit of a crisis and uh, the weight of family expectations. The real humour, I suppose, comes from the clients she's dealing with because they have very unusual stories about wills and uh, who should get what after a person dies. So Fisk is getting a thumbs up from me uh, as this week's TV recommendation, which I haven't given you in a few weeks because I was off sunning myself. But now I'm back and tanned. Well, it's, like, it's tinted moisturiser. Now, let's get to the main event, to use a boxing analogy this week. When I stepped out the ring, I was pretty ready to be in the family mom. Tyson, what are you doing? Time for school. Just enjoy it now. Enjoy what? What's it like living in a busy household? Three girls, three boys, my wife, all friggin' crazy. Tyson retiring, do we think it's legit? I've gone from topping the bill at Wembley to picking up dog on a run. Come on. Now that is a clip from a new show called at home with the Furies. And you heard the voice there of heavyweight boxing champion Tyson Fury and indeed his wife, Paris. Now, I don't know how much you know about Tyson Fury. He's one of the world's most famous living boxers, if not the most famous. Uh, controversial fellow over the years. He's said some unforgivable things, many of which he's apologized for. Uh, he's had one in particular questionable, uh, beyond questionable, uh, wrong association with a well-known boxing promoter slash a criminal. Uh, that said, he has struggled with bipolar, uh, mental health. He's been addicted to all sorts of various things, been very open about his addictions and his struggles. And lo and behold, he's in a new series with his wife, uh, as I say, at home with the Furies, where he's living in a place called Morecambe on the coast, trying to negotiate life in retirement with his six, soon to be seven children and his wife, Paris. His father is living down the road in a caravan in a in a wagon he is of gypsy origin as he describes himself the whole tyson family are and it's him negotiating the ups and downs of life and possible retirement now he is retired at the time of it if you have any eye to the news you will know retirement doesn't seem to be in his future at the moment and the show i suppose is is part kardashians uh a bit more going on than that because there are struggles his wife paris is kind of hero of the piece in a way because she's uh she's a strong character she has to put up with a lot in the form of of living with tyson fury now as i say tyson fury has been very open about his struggles and uh is is perhaps becoming on the way to becoming some kind of mental health advocate now at home with the furies is nine episodes it's currently on netflix it landed this week so i got to talk to tyson fury and indeed his wife paris about the show and he has a beard in the show but he didn't when he popped up on my zoom screen have a listen to this tyson i've just been watching you with a beard for the last three nights so i'm just shocked to see you without a beard so you've you've well, thrown like, me slightly clean shave, clean shave nearly. yeah well, Monday morning. <laughs> Either of you can answer this. I watched the whole thing. 
with my wife. But there were so many surprising things in it. There were so many things I was going, wow, did that just happen? I never knew that about Tyson's life or things I never imagined I'd see in it. When you watch things like what? All sorts of things, your your honesty about mental health, some yeah. of the stuff that happened, where you went, even a trip to the Isle of Man. Every episode had some really strange things. And I don't want to give any spoilers, but other strange things happened as the show went on. So I'm wondering when you guys watched it back, were you surprised by anything when you saw your marriage on the screen like this? Um, I don't think it was surprising, but I think it's it's eye-opening to see your your life being showed in front of you. I think it is a strange sort of surreal moment to watch mm. your life being played out in a documentary or a series. Um, and I think it's slightly eye-opening to see y- your relationship, your family, what you look like to the public. Mm. So, but I think it came off really well and it was what we sort of aimed for on the fact that to let the people see the real us. So hopefully that's how it came out. Yeah. You know, Tyson, you're very honest, as I mentioned, about your mental health in it. And it's a recurring theme. And and people will know you by your own admission, you're up and down a lot and life can change a lot. Was that kind of the motivation for this, that you wanted to be front and center that, you know, here's this highly successful, very wealthy athlete who struggles? You know, since my comeback um, in 2016, I've had a lot of well-documented um problems Mm. mental health issues mental health struggles and i wanted to be an open book going forward from then because you know if the heavyweight champion of the world can be brought down with mental health problems and then anybody could and if it was all right for me to speak out about it then it would be all right for everybody else to speak out about it so i've made it my mission to be very vocal and very open and very honest with everybody whether it's a book the boxing behind the Mm. scenes the itv doc and now this new netflix documentary um I wanted it just to be, to see the real side of the mental health where people say, oh, I get it all the time. Like, oh, you've defeated mental health. And I really haven't. It's like, I don't think you can ever defeat mental health. I think you mm. can learn to manage and maintain it and see the problem coming and try and stop it. Mm. I don't think it'll ever disappear. And I think in this documentary, it's very clear to see that I'm still very mentally up and down all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult for the family and for Paris and everybody else and how worried they get and how how concerned they are mm. and how they have to deal with it on a daily basis. Um, but I just feel like if I can be open and, and honest about it, then more people will get help and it, it'll potentially save people's lives. Because yeah. no matter where I go in the world, I always get people coming up to me, you saved my life, you saved my brothers, cousins, uncles, sister, whoever. And that's more rewarding than winning any fight or earning any amount of money or any prize. It's saving lives. So, and it's not through I'm doing anything. I don't have to go out there and physically do something like lift bricks all day or whatever. I can just talk about my own problems. And mm. I think we've done a pretty good job of it on this um, Netflix doc. So hopefully it helps people and it gives people a real insight on, on what, what I'm going through. How, how, how do you feel today? Today, I feel uh, pretty good. You know, I've been to the gym this morning. I was in the gym last night, gym yesterday afternoon. I feel really feel like my medicine is the training. Yeah. Training, the training. Um, I structured routine and everything, and I feel good, you know. I feel yeah. good all morning. Yeah. And, uh, I'm still pretty positive. I'm yeah. Talking to guys like us. I need to ask your wife a very important question because she might be better 
position to answer. I don't know, but I mentioned I watched it with my wife. You've been together a long time now, loads of children. I don't know how you do it, but you've you've rode the waves up and down and you're still able to sit here together and smile at each other. Do you have a secret to what the magic potion is to a happy marriage? Oh, I wish I knew what the secret was. I wish I could tell everybody the secret. But I just think the fact that it's not all sunshine. I think a lot of people in this new age of life all look for the perfect relationship. And I don't think the perfect relationship exists. Um, me and Tyson's both far from perfect. And um, I think accepting your partner for who they are um, can really help, you know, really, really accepting the person that you fell in love with. I do think love helps. I know that sounds so cheesy and corny, but I do. I think, yeah. I think that helps. You know, if you really love somebody, you're going to be there thick and thin. And I think um, that's what we've done. Where, you know, we've been there for each other, thick and thin, and uh, keep coming out on top. So, yeah. And I think that, that our vows when we got married, yeah, it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows. It was sickness and in health, better or worse, and until death do us part. And that was a vow we made in front of God. So Lord knows that there's been times where Paris has been on the brink of running away from me. Do you know what I mean? Like I've been, I've been selfish at times. I've been addicted to alcohol, drugs, and doing a lot of stupid things that I shouldn't have been doing and trying to kill myself and not being a responsible adult. And the list will carry on and on and on and on and on. But she stuck by me through sickness and health, for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. And I just think that if we stick together, no matter what, nothing can break us up. Um, love. And I think I think that our faith is very important as well to us because, you know, in that in front of when we made our vows, it said, God says, let no man tear apart what I put together. So a lot, a lot, you can be influenced a lot by the way world is today and everyone's in this little thing of, oh, if it's not working, move on straight away and whatever. Well, I don't work like that. I made me bed 20 years ago when I met the woman and mm -hmm. if it was her sickness or in her health, then I'd stick by her. So yeah. she's done right by me. We've got yeah. six and God will another one just about to be delivered. Seven beautiful children. We've been very, very, very blessed on a daily basis where we're healthy and strong. Um, the rest is just a bonus. Mm. I always said I met my soulmate when I met Paris and I was very lucky because some people never ever meet that person, but I met her straight away and, just because where we live in the position we're in, that's not the be all and end all of everything. I know if I lost everything tomorrow and we had to live in a cardboard box in Central Park, it'd have to be a big cardboard box. It'd have to be a big one, but we'd all live in it together as a family and we'd find happiness. Yeah. Well, listen, long may you last. Thanks a lot for chatting to me, guys. Thank you. We're getting a divorce next year. Tyson Fury and his wife Paris. Tyson Fury at the end there telling me he was about to get divorced, which he clearly wasn't. He was being humorous. Uh, and I was talking to them, Tyson Fury and his wife Paris, on foot of their new Netflix show, A Nine-Parter, At Home with the Furies, which is currently on Netflix. And yesterday, when I checked, was number one. So it is all there for your viewing. Up next, the new movie releases of the week.
Now you're welcome back to Screen Time, News Talks TV and Movie Show. We turn now to the week's new cinema releases and indeed, I guess, Netflix's big summer movie, if you want to call it that. We're going to look at the movie Strays, all about stray dogs, voiced by various big actors like Will Ferrell and the new summer Netflix movie Heart of Stone, which was out last week, but I wasn't here last week, as I bored you with earlier. I'm delighted to be joined for the first time by one of Ireland's best film reviewers, Esther McCarthy. Esther, hello, how are you? Hi, John, how are you? Glad to be Thank a newbie you. on the show. Yes, and sorry it's taken so long, you I'm know, but long. there are many rooms in our father's mansion or something like that. <laughs> Listen, Strays, I didn't get to see this, but it could either be the best thing since sliced bread or the worst idea ever. It's like a version of My Little Hobo where people like Will Ferrell voice dogs who are all strays or something like that. Exactly that. And I think, you know, if your kids, I suppose it's very important to say to mummies and daddies first, if your kids see the cute little doggy poster in the cinema and say, I'd like to go and see that. Just remember what happened when you brought them to see Ted. Very well-known broadcaster on this station brought his two young daughters to see Ted uh, when they were about 10, thinking it was a movie about teddy bears. Anyway, please continue. So it's like, yeah, there is a lot of dog sex in this film. There is a lot of scatology. And there is a lot of foul language. So that's the kind of material we're looking at here. Right. So what's the basic premise? The basic premise is it plays with the idea of that kind of canine, you know, love that a dog has for a human, no matter how fallible the human is. So that's kind (laughs) of a nice idea, actually. So Mm. you've got Will Ferrell, who's voicing, he's kind of doing a body body in elf mode, which is kind of funny in itself when you realise what the film transpires to be. But he's voicing this character um, named Reggie. He's kind of a, an innocent and naive little terrier, um, very cute. And he worships his owner, who's this kind of a car crash of a character named Doug, who's uh, Will Fort is having a blast playing him. He's kind of guy who you know, sits on his steps drinking cans all day. And poor Reggie thinks that when Doug brings him miles away and dumps him in the car, that it's actually a game and that he has to find his way home. Uh, he doesn't realise that that his owner is trying to abandon him. So that's kind of happening. He says, you know, bad dog all the time. And, 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 uh, you know, Reggie thinks he's being ironic. So that's the kind of material you're dealing with. He gets lost after one of these occasions too many and runs into another group of dogs who quickly realise that what the, what the actual game is, you know. They include Bug, who's voiced by Jamie Foxx, who's having a blast as well, with great voice performance. He's a Boston Terrier and he has this, you know, deep-rooted mistrust for humans because of what life has taught him. We also get to meet um, Maggie, who's voiced by Isla Fisher. And there's a a lovely great Dane who's named Hunter and played by Randall Park. So they are all kind of become mates. And uh, he decides, you know, Reggie decides when he realizes what's really been going down with this owner, that he's going to you know, stage the ultimate revenge attack, uh, revenge attack, I should say, which involves going back to Doug and biting his dick off. His words, not mine. Okay. Um, okay. And that's kind of the idea. That's the plan. Dennis yes. Craig pops up in a scene for for no reason at all. Uh, just bewildering, a bewildering moment in it. They kind of make their way towards Doug's home and his resolve is to follow through on this mission, but he starts to falter because of the canine love for the human. He doesn't think yes. he can go through with it. So that's uh, the whole premise of the film. 
Okay, so there actually is a little hobo in it in the terms that they're trying to get home. So, and for listeners, in case you don't know, when Esther mentions dick, she's referring to f- penis, just to be clear. So I watched the trailer of this uh, and, and I, I did laugh. Now, you mentioned bewildering, it, it, uh, that Dennis Quaid shows up and it's kind of bewildering. The voice cast is very impressive. As I say, I laugh from the trailer, but I only that's only two and a half minutes. I do love Will Fort. I like Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx. Is this very funny? No, I laughed once. Oh dear. Yeah, I didn't find it funny at all. And okay. I, I was I actually bought a ticket. Would you, would you believe, John? I actually paid to go and see this film, and I watched it with an audience, and it was there was a kind of a collective nervous groan at one point involving a large amount of poo, a scatological scene. You will remember it when you see it and you okay. will never unsee it is all I can say. But it was kind of a collective nervous laugh, kind of gross out laugh rather than a big, vibrant collective giggle, you know. Um, and there was very little, there was very few laughs in this. I thought one thing that I thought was really funny was that one of the dogs tries to tell a knock-knock joke and uh, every time he goes knock-knock, all the other dogs go woof, woof which I thought was quite fun. And I think that's what's missing in here. Um, It's produced by the lads who gave us the Lego movie, Phil Lord, Chris Miller. If you want to talk about pedigree here with the voice cast, I mean, you've got two of the best producers in the business here. Um, And it's written by the guy who co-created American Vandal, Dan Parrell. And uh, it's really good, you know, really good pedigree, but it's just the the jokes don't land. And I think it's too one note. it should have been left off the leash a little bit more. Sorry, I won't do that you're, again. You're, you're using a lot. Leash, pedigree. I, I can't <laughs> keep up here. Uh, I didn't so, even mean the pedigree one, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know. You see, you're a prisoner of your own genius. Oh, yeah. So tell, t- tell me this, though. You happened to see it with 20 other people. Were you the only one not laughing or was everyone not laughing? Everyone. Outside of the groan. Everyone was not laughing outside okay. of the groan. Yeah. Okay. I just right. don't think the jokes landed here. I think it's a nice idea. Um, I'm always wary, John, of a one premise kind of film. You know, I'm not saying we should be kind of expecting people to go in here going, gosh, I wonder what the narrative arc of this film is. <laughs> but having said that, if you believe story is everything, uh, and surely it is, then I yeah. think, you know, even at a nifty 93 minutes, it overstays its welcome a little, I think, this one, because it's built on a one gag premise never right. a good idea you have to build out from that into the script and have a lot more jokes so much dog humping uh so much scatology and very few kind of ideas beyond that you know yeah. and, you know if you're looking for a gross out film of you know the kind of ilk that we get from the Farley brothers maybe in the the late 90s and early noughties this will do you fine but yeah uh, yeah i just wasn't really buying any of it it didn't make me laugh um and it sounds like it didn't make anyone else laugh in the cinema either. And and tell me this, the, the dogs themselves, I mean, it's a small thing anyway. If it's not funny, it's not funny. But like there's an element of, I know dogs can't talk, but there's an element of CGI, I gather, like with the voice cast. So it's not just a voiceover. Like you see the dogs' mouths actually move, albeit CGI'd. Yeah. I mean, what do you mean dogs can't talk, John? Of course, you can. You were telling us the toys and Toy Story aren't remixed. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can see CGI at play, obviously, to make the, yeah. the mutts, m- mouths move. Um, but I must say there's some excellent dog acting in here. There's some good thespian canine yeah. behaviour. Uh, the dogs don't let themselves down, but I think they're, they're let down by the script. 
Yeah. And just, you mentioned Will Fort. I think you're probably a fan because most people are who know him. I, I, I just think he's great. I interviewed him once and I just thought he was a, a delightful man and he's, he's, he's a great actor outside being a great comedian. But from the trailer, and I'm only basing this on the trailer, I did like his role as he has this game, let's just call it F and F that you kind of alluded to yes. for his dog. Is, is he funny in it? He's very funny in it. He's having right. a blast. I think, yeah, I think he is going for it. And I think there is a restraint, I think, you know, to the screenplay and to the rest of, I, you just have to go full nutty, I think, with a story mm. like this. It reminded me a little of Cocaine Bear, which oh, we were yeah. also excited about. Remember when we first saw the trailer and then found a mad random, the, the mad random information that it was actually shot in County Wicklow, um, <laughs> yeah. which was gas. But like when I went to see that as well, I thought, how is this going to carry itself? And, you know, be, be, besides a few great supporting performances, I didn't really feel it did. I think... If your pitch is one sentence long, you know, dogs hump and curse or bear takes cocaine, yeah. then you're not really, the story isn't developed enough there. You know, it's, it's a one idea film. Yeah, it's a one idea yeah. story. Well, we, we can't argue with that. So what would you say stars wise out of five? This is your first time using the screen time system. It's not that original or anything, but out of five, what would you give this? I'd be giving this two. I would be giving two. this two, yeah. Okay. It's okay. not a full-on recommendation for me at all. No, it doesn't sound like it. But a good a good analysis nonetheless. Let's take a clip of the aforementioned two stars, Strays. So, Jenna said sick, which I did. But then I thought, wouldn't it be cute if I acted all confused and tilted my head like, huh? Oh, my God. Man, sure got to suck to compete with that. No, it's fine. <laughs> Bella's young and cute and fun, so of course Jenna loves her more than me right now, and I get that. Cool. Anyways, I was thinking if you guys were free later... But what I really don't get is why Jenna thinks it's so adorable when she spins around in circles like I can do that in my sleep. But you know what? It's totally fine. It's fine. Mm, okay. But you know what? It doesn't get to me so much anymore. I'm fine. I'm not jealous or worried or angry or depressed or confused or fuming or unhinged at all. Yeah, you seem totally fine. And now that Jenna's spending so much time with Bella, it's given me a chance to do a little self-care. Like, I've been going into the digging. I really like the feeling of the soil under my nails. I'm just, like, out in the fresh air again. I'm just really connecting to the land. No, I'm, I'm learning. I love digging. I love digging. I love I love it! I love to dig! What, what's happening? That was a clip from Strays. You're listening to Esther McCarthy in conversation with me about the week's new releases. We move on to, I guess it's the big uh, blockbuster or the big summer movie from Netflix, Heart of Stone, which uh, stars our own Jamie Dornan and indeed Gal Gadot. And it was released last week. As I say, we didn't get to it last week because I was away, but I was keen to talk about it. I have seen it, but more importantly, Esther has seen it. Esther, is it fair to say this is the biggest movie on Netflix in in a couple of months, maybe? I think so, yeah. I think if they've, they've been a little more thin on the ground this year. I think mm. what, I, what I've noticed in the last couple of years is the big Netflix movies tend to be moving towards more towards award season now yeah. as the streamers kind of comp- compete to out-Oscar each other. Um, so I think the bubblegum films are a little less frequent and the um, kind of prestigious director films, of course, we love Martin Scorsese's um, hopeful next masterpiece coming later this year, yes. amongst others. A lot of good films coming out this autumn, but this is kind of pure bubblegum, popcorn, summer stuff. Yeah, so just give people, I mean, we don't want to give a spoiler because there are a lot of twists and turns in it, but it's it's espionage, there's a touch of Bond in it, it, it it's MI16, Jamie Dornan's an operative and Gail Gaddo possibly is as well. 
Yeah, like she's got a bit strong female James Bond vibes, this, this woman, I think, hasn't she? Yeah, um, well, definitely, yeah. She, yeah, she's this character by the name of Rachel Stone. Um, she's an, an operative working for a global, a shadowy global body, John. Is there any other type? Um, <laughs> and they, you know, she's aided by this cast that includes Ali Abbas, um, the Bollywood superstar, and our own Jamie Dornan, of course. Uh, I suppose it's kind of a derivative and generic action thriller that kind of throws enough forward enough twists to hold your attention, I think, this one. Um, we learn about that she's kind of involved in this body called The Charter and her boss is played by Sophie o- Okanedo. Um, it's a very secretive organisation. It's designed to be a kind of clean-up operation that's hired to step in when other actions have failed. So governments, people like this, you know, it's a cleaner upward, basically. Um, yeah. At the heart of all that then is literally the heart. Uh, it's kind of this piece of high-tech wizardry that gets over-explained a bit in the film. You know, we've seen this before. We get it. Uh, it has the power to control everything, like global markets. It has intel. It can dictate the course of wars, all of this sort of stuff. In the wrong hands, it would be very bad news, basically. Um, yeah. So the charter is kind of a peacemaking body, but this character, Rachel Stone, she kind of becomes very friendly with these MI6 agents as well, including, as I mentioned, Dornan, who um, are getting maybe a little too close to her for the boss, the boss's liking. So yes. then stuff happens. I'll say no more. <laughs> stuff yeah. happens and chaos is unleashed. And I suppose the idea is that he, she, she has to, you know, work with her colleagues, whether she likes it or not, whether her boss likes it or not, to stop this information from getting into the wrong hands. Yeah, and I'll tell you briefly what I thought, and you can come back and tell me what you thought. Mm. Like, I I mentioned James Bond and Mission Impossible, and it's James Bond and Mission Impossible light, but you, you referenced the stuff happening. A lot of stuff happens, some of which... I really wasn't expecting. Now, when you think back, and I suppose it's not that shocking, we've seen that kind of stuff before, but mm. it did roll along for the two hours. And I, I wasn't bored. I mean, I'll probably forget about it in a week's time, but it was fine as what you described, bubblegum entertainment, I thought. But what did you think? I thought it was fine. But the problem is I'm seeing too much fine these days. And, you know, yeah. every film on its own merit. And I thought this was fine. I'm in three-star territory here. But I'm kind of just feeling like even with, I don't think the streamers is solely guilty. Like I've been watching crap films for a long time now. And I think it's been blamed <laughs> as a streaming phenomenon. But I think, you know, the cinemas were, the, the film studios were doing it long before the streamers were. And I think it's this idea of a film feeling like it's almost been made by committee. And yeah. that, you know, we don't have any attention spans anymore. So five things have to happen in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. And I'm there going, with me and my narrative arc again, I'm going, can we focus on character here a little? Because yeah. I don't know anything about this woman, yet all these things are happening already. Um, and I've I've just seen a bit too much of that this, the last two years, I think. Um, it's a lack of confidence, I think, in a viewer more than anything. Yeah, and, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and your point your point is very well made that, you know, streamers aren't the cause of crap films uh, solely. Uh, people have been making crap films long before that. And I completely agree with you that there seem to be more and more movies where we come out saying, yeah, it was grand. I, I constantly seem to be saying about movies, it won't change your life, meaning it's not bad, but it's, it's, it's not that good. Yeah. Listen, but, 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 but also just, uh, you know, the characters are, 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 as you point out in this, somewhat underwritten and we don't really know much about them. That said, Gal Gadot, I mean, a, a, a 
pleasant action presence. I thought like she carried it well, the job she had to do, even if she was underwritten, like she kicks ass. Absolutely. I mean, I'll never forgive her for Imagine, um, but having said that, Wonder Woman, she was great in Wonder Woman, yeah. the first one especially. Um, she is convincing as an ass kicker, isn't she? Yeah, I think she's absolutely. fine. I think the film really, really, you referenced Mission Impossible there. I think it really, really wants to be Mission Impossible, but it's crucially ignoring what makes the Mission Impossible films such fun, which is the audacity of some of the stunts and the yeah. absolute sense of humour you know, Tom is practically winking at us as he yeah. tries to um, climb up a mountain or, you know, he- land on a, a speeding train with a helicopter or whatever he's up to in this one. So I think it's it doesn't have that knowing sense of humour that invites an audience in that Christopher McCarry, in particular, his Mission Impossible movies has done so well, I think. I, yeah. still, I mean, I'm well, how many have we got now? Seven, eight. Uh, and I'm still not bored with them, even though they're yeah. similar premises all the time. They're just yeah. such fun. And I think they're a textbook example, you know, to others of how you should make films like this. Absolutely. And I, if it's rare to say it. They're getting better or it seems that way to me. They those really Mission Impossible are. It's movies. like, what yeah. are they going to try next, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it invites the audience in. I think films, don't, you know, action movies don't do that enough anymore. Mm. They, you know, make well people said. feel part of the occasion of it. Yeah. So listen, you've said we're kind of in three star territory here. Are you going to give this three stars? Yeah, that's three stars for me for Hearthstone. Yeah, yeah I, I think I'd go along with that. So that's three stars for Heart of Stone, which is now streaming on Netflix. Two stars, and it sounds like she might be being generous for strays. Esther McCartney, film reviewer of Note, making her maiden voyage on screen time. Esther, thanks a million. Thanks for having me, John. Esther McCarthy there talking to me about the week's new releases. I called her McCartney at the end there. Polite enough not to tell me to change it. What humility. If only I could have some. My name has been butchered many times over the years, still is. Fardy, like, let's not even get into it because there are so many derivations of it and, and misherdings and, you know, misherdings. You know what I mean? I do want to mention another big new release of the week is Blue Beetle, a new superhero movie all about a kid. He is really just a kid who turns into the uh, Blue Beetle. It's actually not bad. Uh we go in, I find, with pretty low expectations for superhero movies, but this is kind of a standalone one, uh, which is part of the DC universe. And it's a straggler character, I suppose. He's not that well known. He's a guy who becomes this powerful superhero by virtue of this device called a scarab that's implanted to him. It's slightly different. It's humorous. It has a pretty understandable story from beginning, middle and end and isn't weighed down with trying to negotiate different DC universes. So I think The Blue Beetle is a decent superhero movie that's available this week as well. We didn't review it, but I did see it. Uh, And it's not bad. And I think if you're looking for something to do with your kids, you know, maybe teenagers, it's a decent superhero movie that certainly kept me entertained for the two hours I was watching it. So that's A Blue Beetle, also released this weekend in cinemas. Up next, Alison Curtis on her favourite movie. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time, News Talks TV and Movie Show. It's that stage of the week where we talk to someone well-known about their favourite film. I'm delighted to be joined by, I think it's fair to say, 
Ireland's best known and possibly favourite Canadian. Alison Curtis, of course, is presenter of Weekend Breakfast on our sister station, Today FM. And I'm delighted to say she joins me now to chat about her favourite movie. Alison, hello. Oh my God. Thank you, John. That's a lovely intro. <laughs> That's great. Thank I, you. I think it's the truth. If we stop people on the street, you know, name a famous Irish Canadian, I think you'd be top of the bill. But anyway, listen, I've blown enough smoke your direction. Your favorite movie, you will get no argument from me. Uh, we were only talking about one of its sequels a few weeks ago, but tell our listeners what it is and why. Well, this is a really hard task. And I'm sure everyone you interview for this piece says the same thing, like, because... You know, there's so many things out there and so many movies become significant to people for many reasons. But I have always and will always, I can't, you know, predict a time in my future will I will not love Star Wars. I love, love Star Wars so much. <laughs> well, that's completely fine by me. So for, you know, the naysayers, and there are people who don't get it. Thankfully, you're talking to a person who, you know, one of the most vivid memories of my life is going to see The Empire Strikes Back. But why is it so special to you? I think because like, I think I might be older than you, but like similar vintage, but I think because it was yes. so different to anything else we were seeing uh, growing up. Now, I mean, the original one, 1977, I was not old enough to go to the cinema to see that, I'd like to point out. And She's was, not that old. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what it was, was um, it was the Empire Strikes Back, I didn't actually see in the cinema either. It was Return of the Jedi was the was the one that I think we did see. The, well, I know we did see that in the cinema. And that became our favorite movie when we were younger. But as I got a little bit older, I was like, well, hang on a minute now. And I've gone back. Now, I love the three of them so much. And some of the spinoffs I like as much, but like Star Wars, the original, after going back to it and seeing it multiple times growing up, it's just every single second of it I enjoy so much. Now, John, I'm not one of those Star Wars heads that could tell you the name of every single character and all that kind of stuff, but it did become a really big thing in our lives growing up because um, Princess Leia for girls in particular, it, we didn't see anyone like her before on screen. And, you know, we, we were limited to what our female role models were like or the people that we could identify with in film, what they were like until I feel Princess Leia came along. And then we're like, well, wait a minute, this girls can be all of these things. They can be a leader. They can be fearless. They can be a fighter. And she was funny as hell. So that character, she really, really resonated with me. And of course, Growing up in Canada, you know, all of our Halloween costumes pretty much were based around Star Wars right through into my adult years. <laughs> like I was an Ewok for four years in a row because it makes sense because, you know, it's cold in Canada on October 31st. Um, but it just became so important to us. And we had all the characters and the figurines. And I remember years ago, we were emptying out a storage unit. And I was like, I'm going to find my, you know, I'm going to find all my Star Wars figurines. And they weren't there. And I realized my mom must have gotten rid of them. And I was so gutted. But it was just a big part of our childhood. Like we had Star Wars themed birthday parties as well. And it was just, it's just, I love the film so much. It makes me so happy to watch it. You, I say this all the time, but I can actually say it with this one. This movie is strong with this one. The force is strong with this one. So you were actually a figure keeper. I hadn't had you down as a Star Wars toy collector as a child, but there you go. I know. And then I have to say, like a lot of people say that when they're younger, you know, they developed a crush on Luke Skywalker. And I'm like, Luke, no way. The second, I think like the second Harrison Ford came on the screen as Han Solo, I was like, I know what I like in life and I know I like him and I still I love Harrison Ford so much I love him so much I named my first car Harrison I dressed up as Han Solo one year why wow. not here at the time um but I just loved all I loved all the characters and I loved all the dynamics between them and, and and the friendships even like 
you know, when you think about C3PO and R2D2, we used to eat C3PO cereal, by the way, but anyway, their their dynamic is like a lot of friends would have had that bickery kind of friendship dependent friendship growing up. So even when we were younger watching this, we might not have fully realized that we had these friends in our lives, but we all did. Like we all, their relationship modeled a lot of our relationships. And like, mm. you know, a lot of people would identify with Luke and Han Solo's relationship. And I know a lot of us identified with how Princess Leia in later, you know, films felt about Han Solo. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm learning a lot about you. Firstly, you named your cars. I, that's interesting. That might be a Canadian thing. And was there such a thing as Star Wars cereal, C-3PO cereal? I guess there was, yeah, if you remember well, eating it. Do you know what it was? It was like, it was the most sugary like yellow kind of bland tasting to be honest but it like it was like that i don't think you guys ever got captain crunch over here but it's like no parents worst nightmare like they could actually see the teeth falling out of their kids heads with eating this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we ate it, <laughs> it well, fair enough and listen you know for many people and probably myself included the greatest you haven't mentioned them but the greatest villain of all time I think yeah. is probably Darth Vader because that's another important part of the story were you spooked by him as a young Canadian you know what I don't remember that I remember like I'm sure you guys did this as well I remember so many times like say in the play yard or the schoolyard we'd all try and do his voice and then we'd be like oh my god my throat hurts now <laughs> like we're just doing it for a whole break <laughs> I don't remember particularly being super super frightened of him but I, and you know, it's weird that you say that because he is the ultimate villain. I think I remember in later films when you realize that he, like that he was weakened and he was soft. And I think the more mm. that you watch the films, the more you mature and the more you get to know the characters, that's when you realize that how powerful Luke was, how powerful Leah was and how powerful good is. And that's the other thing I want to say about Leah is like, she represented as a character hope. And like, there were so many times in the movie, like the, the, garbage trash scene where you're like okay most people will give up at this stage this is a hopeless situation but she wasn't and none of them were and that's what I think we all loved about it like that sense of hope and the sense of possibilities and it was just like when you think about a movie being perfect I think it is perfect I don't think that's saying too much because it ticked all the boxes it was like emotional it was action it was laughter it had everything and it was visually awesome to look at and tell me this, I always ask parents in this slot when they're talking about their favourite movie, your daughter, Joan, if I'm not mistaken, is her name, is a teenager now, if I'm not mistaken as well, or she's approaching that, not is... Not yet. <laughs> what, what age is she? 12, 12. So she's tweeny. 12, okay. She's tweeny. So have you, ha has she fallen for Star Wars? Have you made her fall for it? Sean, this is the thing. Typical Star Wars fan or non-typical, whatever, like, it's quite insane. She was born on... The 4th of May. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Well, every birthday when she was younger, I was like, wouldn't it be fun to watch a Star Wars movie until she was able to make a film <laughs> one? And she's now like, no, that's not what I want to do on my birthday. <laughs> so she's not quite into it yet, which kind of is a little heartbreaking. So I'm going to work on her with that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, you can't push it too hard. I'm I'm having similar things with a football team and my son. But anyway, let's not get into that now. So are we putting into, you know, the slot of favorite movie, all three movies or the first one, Star Wars and New Hope? Just just for the point of clarification. Well, like growing up, as I said, like the first one we did see in the cinemas and I mean, Ewoks was a stroke of genius to get kids interested into the film because we're like, this yeah. is the cutest things ever. And as I say, all the Halloween costumes that were like made off the back of that. So that would have been my gateway into it. But as I got older, 
I, then I went to Star Wars, the original 1977 movie. And I was like, oh, I love it. And I still will say that's my favorite one. But I think Empire okay. is one that people get into when they're moody teenagers. <laughs> yes. Well, that is without question her favorite movie, be it the first one or indeed the trilogy, to the point that she was naming her cars after some of the actors. Tell me this. This might be an off-told story, but how does a girl from uh, Kingston and then later Toronto in Canada, in Ontario, of course, end up in Ireland. What brought you here? I always go, I don't know. Well, the, the, the honest answer is I was coming over. I had met two people who lived in Canada with me and they were over for the summer just exploring and we became good pals. So I was like, I'm going to come over and see you guys. And I was going to come over and do a master's in Edinburgh. And I was only going to stay in Dublin for six months. But I actually got a job in Today FM as the PA to the then CEO. And I was the world's worst. I've told this story a good bit. Like I was the world's worst CEO. Or sorry. Tell was, us again. Hey, hey. And he was like, Allison, but as he fell for me anyway, and he thought I was, thankfully he appreciated something that I could do. And he put me onto the breakfast show. And then once I was working with Ian, I was like, this is amazing. Radio was incredible. And it was the love of my life and still is the love, one of the loves of my lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, life and I just love radio. So I, I just, Today FM kept me here for many, many years. And then I met a man and he kept me here too. <laughs> okay. So you're still kept by Today FM, of course, it has to be said, because you can hear Alison every Saturday and Sunday on the aforementioned Today FM on the very successful Weekend Breakfast. Her favourite movie is undoubtedly Star Wars uh, and the Star Wars trilogy. Alison Curtis, thanks a million. Thank you. Thanks, John. She's fast enough for you, old man. What's the cargo? Only passengers, myself, the boy, two droids, and no questions asked. What is it, some kind of local trouble? Let's just say we'd like to avoid any imperial entanglements. Well, that's the real trick, isn't it? And it's going to cost you something extra. 10,000, all in advance. 10,000? We can almost buy our own ship for that. But who's gonna fly it, kid? You? You bet I could. I'm not such a bad pilot myself. We don't have to sit here and listen. We can pay you 2,000 now, plus 15 when we reach Alderaan. 17, huh? Okay, you guys got yourselves a ship. Ah, yes. Alec Guinness, Mark Hamill, and of course, Harrison Ford playing Han Solo, Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan respectively in Star Wars. That's the first time the three of them meet. And that was the favourite movie of Alison Curtis. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening and thank you to the 5,000 new people, whoever you are. Uh, as I say, this show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on Newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud or wherever you get your podcasts. Do Tell your friends and family about it. Do subscribe because spreading the word, it works. It's also on the radio, that bastion, that voice in the corner every Saturday at 6 p.m. It's also repeated on Sundays. I'm doing a kind of, you know, a, a restatement of facts here, but it's just more people appear to be listening, 5,000 more, which I'm delighted about. So I'm just, you know, restating my case for tuning in. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, get in touch with me at any stage. John underscore Fardy is where you can find me on Twitter and screentime at newstalk.com 
is the email address. I will be back next week with more fun and games from the TV and, of course, the cinema, which, as you've been continuing to hear, has gone gangbusters all summer long, which is great, mostly thanks to Oppenheimer and, indeed, Barbie. Uh, the terrible weather in July helped that as well. But we'll take that as a win for the cinema. Anyway, I'm rambling a bit. I will let you go and I will talk to you all next week.